Yeah, it's Taz. What's going on? Uh, welcome to the Taz Show, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you guys uh, checking out the show. If you're a regular, I appreciate you. If you're not a regular, what the hell you been doing? That I mean, really, I don't understand why you're not with me constantly here. The amount of free content you get on the Taz Show, you need to be here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for downloading this episode on Radio.com, on the app or the website, or maybe on Apple Podcasts you're doing that. I appreciate it. Or... Stitcher or Radio.com um, Apologies to some of um, The uh, Taz Show faithful In uh, the UK Specifically Ireland I believe There was some issues with downloading the show From Radio.com Brian, uh, the esteemed producer of the Taz Show Brian Carson I know he was at it uh, A lot of you guys talking about it on, on Twitter And looking into it with his team IT Jones team And they were looking into it So I believe things might be rectified um, I would try to get more information as this show goes on, this 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 podcast, if I can. But it's going to be a very busy Taz Hall. But I have a feeling things are rectified. Hopefully, I don't I don't think my Twitter has blown up, uh, or the Instagram or the Facebook. So, uh, so so some information like so what happened? Right, it was pretty wild this week here. Uh, WWE Network, uh, big deal, kind of um, getting a little bit of a uh, uh makeover. And as predicted here, and and some others were talking about it a while, I think I talked about it probably a while back, uh, about tiers, that there'll be a tier system. So they're going to have a VIP tier, and I think a a free tier too. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting uh, what they're doing um, right now since WWE Network launched in 2014. So they are going to give it a a big-time makeover, and um, Pro Wrestling Sheet, uh, Ryan Satin does a good job over there. He... uh, his uh, deal there, Pro Wrestling Sheet, they had a um, a sneak peek of it. So you can check it out over there. Check him out, ProWrestlingSheet.com. So uh, Ryan's a good guy. I know Ryan. So um, anyways, uh, and I don't normally, you know, uh, plug too many news sites except for, you know, PW Insider and Mike Johnson and stuff because, you know, Mike has been a part of the Taz Show for a long time. But got to give credit where credit's due, and I got to say Ryan's a good guy. But he has in there on Pro Wrestling Sheet that they got a kind of a sneak peek of what it will look like, what the platform will look like. So you can go over there and check it out. It's pretty badass looking. So, um, you know, uh, and so I guess like stuff like Evolve and stuff like that, um, you know, Evolve Wrestling will be part of the like that that new level, the next level, if you want to pay uh, some more money on the deal. So, and I, I got a feeling they're going to do a good job with it. Look, the network is doing really well from what I hear, and it wouldn't be getting this overhaul if it wasn't. And um, it's pretty badass. So, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, and for the price it is right now, just at 10 bucks a month, you can't go wrong. And now whatever they do with the VIP deal, uh, tier, VIP tiers, I should say. Um, I'm sure you guys will jump in and dig in and, and stuff like that. And and that's the deal because you get everything. 
you know, on the network. I, look, I plug them, I promote them, and I get no promotion back, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm here to make the wrestling fan happy, I guess. But you obviously get a plethora of current and old WWE content and ECW. Obviously, my whole career is on this fucking network. Um, <laughs> AWA, Mid-South, without Smoky Mountains on there, WCW's on there, uh, NXT UK, 205 Live. You can't go wrong. There's just, you know, it, it really, that's why anybody who's charging for content any kind of pro wrestling content, I mean, good luck, you know, dealing with the amount of content they give you for the bang for the buck you get. Uh, so you got to tip your cap to WWE for that. So I wouldn't mind once in a while them tipping a cap towards me, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so that's the deal. Also, AEW, so it came out this week that their show will, their weekly TV show will air on Wednesday nights now. A lot of folks thought, it would be Tuesday nights. I don't think that uh, Turner Networks, TNT, uh, they have a plethora of basketball content, live games and whatnot that they got to bang out on there. So on Tuesdays, so they, they're not, they, they, I think that's why Wednesday is probably the way they went with TNT and AEW and all that jazz. So so we'll see. We'll see how it rolls. So that's the thing. We're still waiting uh, from Pete the Body, from his buddy Bawami for a new open for the fucking Taz Hall, and uh, we've yet to get one, which is extremely disappointing. Um, so, Pete the Body, if you're listening, uh, you, sir, are a bum, and you are also a jobber. Um, you are a mark. So, and I think I speak for all the Taz and the Moose fans and Taz Show fans that know you, sir, might be an esteemed board operator and have a fancy bald head, but you are a jobber, and you have me angry, because now I have to ask you a second time for a favor. Which this favor will have your boy Bawami. It'll take him four minutes out of his day. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get somebody else to do the open. I'm going to get somebody else. That's right. I got a lot of people that have great voices. And I will get someone else. You know what? Tell Bawami to go fuck himself. How's that, Pete the Body? Go tell him that for me. Pardon my French, but this is an explicit podcast. You know that. I'm getting all riled up. All right, Tazzle. Three, two, one, and here we go. All right, so what do we got here? Colorblind, colorblinded. This is on uh, Taz Talk, my Instagram. So go follow it so you can get involved with Taz Hall. T-A-Z-T-A-L-K-T-A-L-K, T-A-Z-T-A-L-K, Taz Talk. That's the I-G. Colorblinded, does Charlotte get added to the SmackDown Women's Championship match at SummerSlam Jones? And that's how this man typed that, which is, well, well, apropos. Well, as it stands now at SummerSlam, I believe it's in Toronto, um, July 11th. Um, and by the way, uh, between you and me, a uh, little... Uh, a little kind of kayfabe, you know. You know, uh, there might be someone doing a fancy dance special, like always happens across uh, some pretty powerful radio networks and streaming. Uh, right after one of the next big WWE pay-per-views. Wink, wink, yeah, yeah. Subtle. Okay, so right now, the SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey uh, is going to compete against Ember Moon. Uh, that is going to be at the SummerSlam. So we saw Charlotte on television. Uh, she was pretty pissed, and she was did a, a, an interview backstage and kind of basically just came right out and said, oh, I'm not on SummerSlam. I don't need to be. I guess I'm not. She's been very sarcastic, and she was pissed, uh, which leads me to believe that maybe she does get involved. I, I think it's okay to leave Charlotte off, cool her down just a little bit, because anytime you want to turn her 
you know, fire up, you can because she's really that talented. Uh, I know some fans give Charlotte a hard time. I'm actually a fan of her work and her character. I respect her athleticism and, you know, um, that she was able to break out of her dad's shadow. You know, when your dad is the nature boy, Ric Flair, one of the most famous wrestlers ever of all time, one of the, the greatest of all time. Um, that's an ambitious task to get into the industry and do what she's done. It's very hard, very hard. And she's done that. So she's her own star now. I mean, you know, I've, I know when I had her, we had her, I should say, Moose and I had her on Taz and the Moose as a guest. I believe that on that platform, yeah, she did. She had said something, I'm paraphrasing the story, but she said it was pretty interesting because there are, uh, she, she'll meet a lot of young ladies that look at her as a role model, and and then the mom or the dad might say, I was a huge fan of your dad, and then the, the kids are saying to their parents in front of her, like, who's her dad? Oh, that man is Charlotte's dad? Oh, like, you know, it's a completely new generation. But regardless, you know, to, for the hardcore fan and the fan that, you know, is is the part of the IWC, you know, you know, it's tough to break that mold, that that mold or that rep that you're just Ric Flair's daughter. And she's done that, I feel, and her ability and her talents and stuff like that. So um, I, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> My gut tells me that they, they really heated up Ember Moon on the uh, SmackDown show. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, trying to figure, like, how, if see, I, I, that's the thing. Real, just a side note, like, for me to just come out and just start fantasy booking like I do a lot or, or give um, – Give suggestions, which I still will continue to do. I just, I told you guys in the past, I kind of have to back off of that a little bit because it just, you know, it just, uh, to, to me, there's there's an angle, there's something you could do because they had Ember Moon beat Charlotte, obviously, at SmackDowns, right? And beat her pretty, you know, impressively, right? And then, you know, heated her up, as I said. So, I mean, yeah, you can do something. Um, uh, I, I just, I'm kind of biting my tongue because, Maybe as we get closer to the SummerSlam, I'll start spitballing some stuff with you. I mean, just right now, I just, I got to be careful. I just, I'm sorry. I just, I just, and again, I mean, the show is free here and it's like, you know, I, I do have a boss, believe it or not. And, um, <laughs> and my boss is okay with me cursing. Uh, but anyway, because uh, this is an explicit podcast and that's how the shit goes. You know that. So, but he's very cool. But the thing is, I was got to be smart. I can't just come out here and give free consultant advice to every wrestling promotion there is. Uh, not that I'm a expert or a genius, but I'm pretty dang fucking close. Uh, Lenny XCA. Hey, Taz. Uh, you think now that AEW will be on weekly, uh, on TV weekly, the honeymoon phase will grow more uh, and kind of die out? It all depends, Lenny. It all depends uh, what AEW does each week. They're going to be judged immensely by the fan base, by wrestling fans. Fan, the, the good news for AEW is the the bulk of the of their fans are really pulling for them. They really want them to do great. Uh, frankly, the WWE wrestlers <laughs> and announcers and referees—you'll never hear them admit it—they're pulling for them. You know, you want business to be good across the board. It's just good for wrestling. Uh, I would assume the Ring of Honor wrestlers are, and so the TNA guys. I mean, I, you know, anybody who's working steady as a pro wrestler outside of AEW is probably rooting for AEW. Why wouldn't you? You know, you, you want you want them to. Now, will the honeymoon phase die out? I do think a little bit it'll die down because right now you're getting small samples of AEW. Um, hopefully, uh, you, the fan base, the wrestling fan base, will 
keep clamoring for more and more, and they're doing such a good job of booking television and uh, you know segmenting te- television, which is an extremely ambitious task. Um, and I, I and I think it's very hard when you have you know your to be honest, the office, you know, the bosses, the EVPs, they're they're, they're wrestlers, you know, so they're busy. They're going to be busy on the show, and so they have to really multitask in a big way. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, for years about ECW, man, all you guys were all different hats, you know, and yet you guys were stars in the ring for ECW. Yeah, well, we were pushed all the right way, and a lot of us did wear different hats. There's no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. Um, Many of us wore different hats. Um, You know, myself, uh, the the Team Taz members, uh, you know, Bubba, Devon, Tommy Dreamer, you know, I mean, uh, Shane Douglas. I mean, yes, uh, wore many different hats. Um, uh, The the thing is, though, like, we were pushed to stay on top. Not not to stay on top. We were pushed and able to stay on top for the most part individually with our individual pushes. But there was always one consistent boss that wasn't lacing up wrestling boots, and that was Paul Heyman. He was the end all be all. He was the boss, and he had final say on everything. And he was the the guy. So, and he didn't. He wasn't, you know, wrestling. Um, he wasn't uh, a, like a full time manager like most of the years in ECW. He really wasn't. At times, yeah, you saw him do a lot of stuff on camera in ECW. But I'm telling you for a fact, I, me personally, I can't speak for the other people from ECW. I used to have to convince him. You know, we, we need to stop power here and there. Get on there. Get on the TV. No, no, no. I'm too busy doing it. Oh, come on, Paul. Get up. You know, I mean, so because I, I was I I was a mark for the Paulie Dangerously character. So I'm talking to early ECW. The point is, like, he understood that he had major responsibilities backstage. And as we got bigger and better, he had to keep those those he he was on camera more or more or less, less and less, unless it was at the studio while he was doing his work editing what what Ron and Charlie and these guys and Joey Styles was doing the on cameras for the voiceover work and all this shit. And I was doing my promos with the towel and that was all in the middle of the night um, during a week, uh, you know, at, um, at Ron Buffone, uh, the, the lead director and camera guy at his, his parents' house in their basement. That's what I was done. That's where the editing suite was. He had a, 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 like a den that was an editing suite. It wasn't just a den. And there's the exaggerated, I'm getting off topic. I know it's really by AW, but, and then there's the exaggerated thing that, oh, ECW was edited in, in a washer and dry in a, in a, in the basement, uh, by the washer and dryer. That's not true. It was actually the on cameras were done near the washer and dryer, <laughs> but the editing, the actual editing was not. The editing was done upstairs in this person's home. That there was a full blown editing suite. It was a home studio. It was legit. So it wasn't as bush league as people like to say it was. That I promise you, it was a, a real studio. It wasn't big. It was in a, one room. But the board that was editing, they were editing on was legit. I mean, it was fucking big money for the most part that that Ron had going on there. Uh, anyway, I totally got off topic. I apologize. But so the, 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 my point is this: the AEW deal and all this jazz, like it's like it's you gotta like really, you gotta hope that um that these men that uh, and Brandy, okay, and Brandy in her position, these men and women, these men and women, these people that they can multitask and 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 it's not too much of an ambitious task for them to do that i mean hopefully they can do it um you know but it's you know jr is a guy you could lean on i mean jr is a guy that that you know knows how to do everything for the managerial position backstage in any facet you could imagine the business there's no doubt 
Problem is, he's on commentary. So during the whole show, he's going to be on commentary. So you have people that are, you know, that um, that are, you know, that know what they're doing for the most part. Like I got like Jr., but you can't utilize him backstage during the event. So that that's my point. That's a little hard when you have now you have other people backstage from from a Billy Gunn to uh to Dean Malenko and stuff like that and whoever else is involved. I mean that you know, but still it's it's there's a lot going on. It's so that's the part. That part is gonna be interesting to see to me that, you know, when people want to wear a lot of hats, it's a little tough sometimes. So the key is, in just my opinion, the product in the ring, the product on the microphone, the product on the television screen, that cannot suffer. That has to flourish every segment. Not every week. Guys, not every hour, every segment, it needs to flourish. That's not just AEW. That's WWE and anybody else who has TV. That's the key. It's got to flourish. You are, um, you you are judged when, especially newer. You're judged all the time, and especially that they've been loud and proud AEW. They're they're you know they. You know they're 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 not you know they're they're taking their shots and they're not you know shying away and that's fine. I mean, um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It seems to me like WWE is ready. They're ready for a fight. They take a guy like Paul Heyman, put him in charge of Raw. Take a guy like Eric Bischoff, put him in charge of SmackDown. Got a massive SmackDown uh, Fox deal coming up here in the fall. That's going to be fucking awesome. And you know you <laughs> you got Vince McMahon and 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 Triple H and and Steph and and Shane and they they got their holsters they got their holster on and got both guns and both holsters but hands on both handles and those those barrels are loaded they're ready to go so I'm just saying be ready <laughs> that's all I'm saying so just just uh, hopefully they they have enough people that can multitask at a high level so. I know I gave you a very long-winded answer, but it's it's it's, it's kind of a, a question that's got to be broken down. Again, in this episode, it's it's obviously wrestling. We're talking wrestling, but there's also Big Brother in this Taz Hall. So, because, you know, I got to do the Big Brother because I got a lot of Big Brother mocks that love to talk to me about Big Brother. So we have Coley Collector. What do you, this is a Big Brother question for those that don't watch Big Brother. What do you think of Cliff making that massive comeback recently in uh, BB21? Hashtag camp comeback, hashtag the Taz show, hashtag BB21. Unbelievable. For Cliff Hogg III, Big Cliff Jones, um, he's kind of like a JR guy for those that, he's from Texas though, not Oklahoma. He's got the cowboy hat. He's probably around, he's maybe a little bit younger than JR, but he's the oldest guy in the house. He's kind of got that that Southern charm about him, but yet he's got a little swagger to him. He's pretty pretty uh, interesting fella. But yeah, he had massive comeback for sure. Extremely crazy impressive. Because he got he got evicted out and then he went to the camp comeback. Then he won the bounce and act Jones with the ball, which I was shocked he was able to do that. And then he was the HOH. He's the head of household. What in the fuck? And then, you know, I now I gotta be careful. I don't want to spoil too much because I do at times watch the live feeds. So I'm a complete mark, complete mark for Big Brother that I even watch the live feeds. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's horrible. I'm, I'm, I don't believe I'm even admitting this publicly, but I do. So I don't want to spoil what you people have seen on, haven't seen on TV yet, but you know, so by him, Cliff putting the two big alpha males on the block, I thought was a great move, a totally great move. And it, putting Mickey up there and Jack, but, um, 
and for those that don't watch, these are two guys that are they're both in great shape. They're probably both in their late twenties, early thirties, and they're competition beasts. They're great social game. Two good looking guys, so they're smooth, you know, with the girls in the house. You know what I mean? And, and everybody likes them, and they're good guys. They come off like good guys, but they're alpha males for sure. So they're threats to the game. So Cliff, as the head of household, you know, put them both up, which is smart. But you know, and they're in alliance. For those that don't know, this girl Christy. So those two guys are so. And this guy Cliff was at a household, is not in that alliance, but Christie's got this power, which I won't get into right now, and utilized the power this week. And now the top heel in the house um, is uh, this young lady, Bella, uh, Isabella, and she's kind of got heat with everybody, and they want her out. So now, uh, you know, this guy Jackson, you know, Mickey, he took himself off the block. Now they ended up putting. Uh, Je- Hog put uh, Wang, uh, her last name was Wang, uh, Bella Wang up there, and boom, there you go. So, probably too much in the woods for so many people that aren't Big Brother fans. But to answer your question in short form, Cliff is doing great. I mean, that's, I'm starting to like the old time. I got to tell you that right now. I right, here we go back to wrestling. Uh, FSU underscore Knowles underscore four underscore life. Taz versus Stone Cold in a program in 2001. Uh, how would you book it from start to finish? WWE really dropped the ball uh, with this angle. Uh, I'd book it that I would win and beat Steve. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? No, no, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Now, I, listen, Steve and I have talked about this a couple of years back, and, and I've talked about it here on, on my show in the past. Maybe some people haven't heard it, but no, nah, I think that Steve and I could have made um, a lot of money for the company and made a lot of money for each other and done some really cool really cool business and i think the fan base would have really enjoyed a long program with steve and i i do think it would have worked and they didn't do it we did that silly dumbass alliance thing and basically i i just was a sacrificial lamb to you know get more heat on steve he was in charge of the alliance as the top heel and i was just you know i was a standout kind of character in that alliance um, because I was more disgruntled and more outspoken than the other uh, people in the alliance, and then and I stuck up for Michael Cole and, and the angle, and that Steve Austin was bullying him and all this shit, and then you know got eaten up by Steve and stuff like that. So, look at man, you know I wasn't happy about any of that shit, not at all. Um, you know, but yeah, uh, I agree. I think WWE really dropped the ball with it too. Uh, frankly, if it was done now. Uh, I think even Vince McMahon at his age and his experience, if someone asked him, I think he probably would do it a little bit different today I, I with, with Steve and I. I think maybe he would have done something. I'm not saying he would have pushed us, pushed me as high as he pushed Steve. You know, um, I definitely could have handled it, uh, humbly speaking, because uh, I proved I could because I got that push before Steve had his push uh, in ECW, you know, with a lot less resources. So <laughs> so I, I know uh, the character. I was flipping guys off uh, way early back in the years and, and on TV and, and being disgruntled and, and against my boss, um, uh, against the machine, and, and, and that's kind of what Steve's character. No knock on Steve. I, he's, uh, I consider him a friend, and, and he's great. Uh, but I, I, I know with the resources behind me, I, I could have 
got to that same height that Steve did, even, and that's not taking anything back away from Steve. Because during that era, as you guys know, Steve was a massive star, and so were all these other cats. Like The Rock was a massive star, and, and Mick Foley was a massive star, and The Undertaker, and, 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 and Triple H. And these guys were all, point is, the, Vince, when he wanted to push, he could push a lot of people, and he proved it. And he did it. And those guys all drew money, and, and he made a lot of money, and it's all well-deserved. They're all super talented. But I can promise you, there were a lot of people in that company then, and there's a lot of people in that company now, in all these companies. That if they're not getting the push There's a hidden gem in there that can get that push They just sometimes don't get the chance And you never you never see it And and uh, you know but you can't I understand you can't push everyone I, I understand Vince can't go and Put the rocket behind everyone You know and even in 2001 or in You know 2020 I, I get it I do get it but if it would have happened And I could say that because I had a massive push and I carried it well in a similar type push, like I said, with less TV penetration and less money that I got from, you know, meaning less money behind me because there was less money in the company from Paul Heyman and ECW. But, you know, it is what it is. No, 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 no sour grades, but you mentioned Steve Austin. And I do think that, and it's funny, because when Brian pulled these questions, there's, there's other Steve Austin Taz things, which is like out of nowhere. Uh, here's another one. Gambino, 2004 RD. Uh, can you please fantasy book your feud, which should have happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin as two top guys in WWE? Hashtag the Taz show. Hashtag buy a hat. Hashtag uh, where's Rover? Oh, no. He's, he's, uh, he's in Prague. Rover. He's on a boat in Prague. He's taking a few years. He's going to chill there. It's him and his girlfriend. Uh, hashtag Waterbreak Nation. Uh, yeah, I went over this whole Steve Austin thing, bro. Fantasy Bucket, man. Gambino. I don't know, bro. I mean, I, I could do a separate podcast on that. You know, I mean, I, on that. So that's that's a that's a little tough one for me. Um, so the, the the fantasy book that to be honest with you, but you did mention. Hashtag Waterbreak Nation, which I thought was extremely apropos and awesome timing. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, come on. Bring that Mizu over here. Oh, beauty. Uh huh. It's beautiful, man. Oh, drink up, jobbers. You're all drinking. And I bet you, all you people, while this show's happening, the podcast, the Taz show, and I take the water break, you're all scrambling. You hear that water sound? Oh, oh, get the bucket of water. Hey, Bobby, get the bucket of water, Bobby. Come on. Come on now. Come on. All right, we got a lot more Taz Hall coming up. Some great questions. Uh, I'm going to get to all of them. Some 24 7 questions. There's a few of those. Uh, what else we got? We'll talk about Zack Ryder's dad, something about him. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, 24 7 with the women. Taz Show, be right back. All right, here we go. We're back, Jobbers. Taz Show. Rock and roll, a little Taz Hall. So. We did a bunch on the front end. Now we'll do some more on the back end here. You know what I'm saying? That's where we're rolling. So, uh, some good questions. I mean, Brian pulled some beauties here, I got to tell you. So we had some, um, before the break, I mentioned 24-7 championship. We got KTV underscore 619. Thoughts on the 24-7 title 
have 29 different reigns already without without there ever being an actual match in the ring. Hashtag we over. Hashtag I bought a hat. Well, thank you for buying the hat, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, that's very kind of you, for sure. Well, listen, thoughts on that. <clears throat> I, I, I have no problem with the, a match never being done in the ring. Um, and I could tell you from a wrestler's perspective, that's awesome. I mean, I could tell you these guys and girls are probably happy as hell about this. Because it's when you could be creative and they can do stuff around the arena or outside the arena or at the airport or on a plane or on a bus or at a hotel lobby, whatever, you know, a golf course. We've seen all this shit, you know, and, and, and I told you people, I told you, you people were shitting on this title, this 24-7 thing. You guys were shitting on it. Not all of you, but a lot of you. When it first came about, Mick Foley brought the title out, yada, yada, Jones, all that stuff. And I'm like, give it a chance. This is a pretty cool gimmick to get other people on the show like it was with the Hardcore Championship years ago. And show sure enough, that's exactly what's going on. And it seems like a lot of you people like this 24-7 thing because it's different, because it's creative. It's, it is. It's very smart what they're doing. It's fun to watch. It lets you up from any tension or seriousness in the show. And honestly, um, I don't think they should ever have a, like a match in the ring. I haven't really looked to see every single finish, how it was done, and researched that. I'm, I'm not going. I am not going to neither. I am, you know, there's no need to do that. But I will say this: I do think that they should keep doing what they're doing because it works. People like it. Um, it's crazy that there's been 20 different, you know, reigns already. That's nuts. Um, but it's. And again, we had a lot of 24-7 questions uh, in the task hall here. We're going to get to a couple, not all of them, but there's a lot. So people dig it. I mean, people are intrigued about it. No matter if they hate it or not, they're talking about it. You know, and I see it on social media too. So it works, guys. It definitely works. So uh, here we go. Thomas Charles Gentry, do you think more guys should build themselves around one signature color like you with orange? Absolutely. Uh, I absolutely do. I, 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 that's called branding. You know, um, I do. It's tough to have everybody do it, but I, I, you don't see enough of it, in my opinion. The reason why a lot of people don't want to do it is they don't want to be married to one color. They want to be creative with their gear and change shit up for pay per views or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think I, to me, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, the only ones that I could think of, and I'm sure there's a couple of others that jump out to my mind. That did their own colors that were branded with colors was in no particular order. Myself, Brett the Hitman Hart with pink and black, DX with uh, black and green. Is there anybody else? I mean, NWO had black and white, and that's a faction, but then they, they did the Wolf Pack, which was red and black. Um, and see, that's good. I'm remembering that because that's branding. They branded it, you know, it works. I can't think, I mean, most, you know, most of the guys and, and girls are kind of changing their colors up. Trying to think if there's anybody. I think Finley, when he was working, he always did the green. You know, being from Ireland, he always had green involved with his gear. Uh, and again, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I know you didn't really ask that question about guys in the past, but regardless, yeah, I do. I do think it's a good way to brand yourself. I do, and it forces you to be creative to try and change your gear up, or your, you know, whatever. I used to just change up, you know, the lettering, Color, you know, the orange, or maybe sometimes I bring another color in with the orange and black. 
and I designed all my own gear and and I kind of my shit was kind of right in your face, you know, just black and orange boots and black singlet with the orange in the back. And let's go to fucking work, bro. Here we go. You know, I mean, that's kind of I kind of kept it simple. But I did for pay-per-views and stuff. I always had new gear. I mean, it might sometimes it might not look like a new singlet, but it was new. Um, but that's the thing. I think a lot of guys don't want to guys and girls don't want to be married to one color. But I, I'm a fan of that. Um, if I had a promotion that I was running, I would want I, – I, you only could do it with a small promotion. And, you know, I'll tell you who did this a great job. This was Pancrase back in the day. Uh, they did this, The you know, the shoot fight company in Japan. They did it where a lot of the guys had their own colors, and they just – you know, they it it was cool. I mean, they, it, for the most part, they wore their own colors. I mean, um, and I remember like some cats were wearing all yellow. Some cats were wearing uh, all purple. Some, you know, I'm trying to remember the names. It was years ago. Uh, Ken Shamrock was wearing like all black a lot. Then he would do like red and black. You know, but they, you know, it it was cool. It was it was cool. It kind of made it made it feel. Uh, different because it, it's like characters you know i'm not a big video game guy you know what i mean like but like i uh, what is it um oh shit like some of the, the fighting games or martial arts games like the guys were all like each guy would have like his own color i believe and stuff like that i could be i guess i'm not i'm not a gamer so i mean when i used to play games a lot it was more of um you know uh, uh what do you call it? like uh, college football and and it was uh madden and stuff i like the football games back in the day but um but anyway, yeah no so I, I i i do think that it's it would be cool to if each guy had their own color you can't do that with a company like wwe because there's just too many wrestlers you know what i mean just too many just too many guys you know so it's kind of tough to do that you know but Usually, like, you know, I remember um, Bass Rutten. Bass Rutten, I was a big fan of Bass Rutten. He was great, great fighter, um, kickboxing Jones, and and great success in, in, in all shoot fighting, you know, everything, everything you can imagine. And he wore purple, like these purple Muay Thai kickboxing shorts a lot. And I always thought that was cool. And then he started wearing black and stuff. Like, But a lot of times he wore, like, a lavender purple. Like, that was his thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it was, to me, it's like it's... It, you know, it's just, it's branding. I do think you could do today, again, with WWE, I think it's a little hard to to um, to do that because you have so much talent. So you can't, I, there's probably not enough colors, right? <laughs> oh, that could be a stretch, but I think you know what I mean. It'd be hard to do. But, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm down with it. I think it works. I mean, I'm a sports fan, though. So in sports, you know, teams have their own colors and, and, uh, and that, you know, that's kind of how I felt with the orange and black. You know, it's like my colors. And, and like I always said in the past, it wasn't like I was a huge fan of orange. It's just no one was doing orange. Everybody was wearing black and red back then. So I wanted it to be different. Uh, Danny Pettis, heard you used to go to Bob Cardona, in parentheses, Zach Ryder's dad. I knew that. Um, but he told me that. Thanks, Danny. Uh, Bob Cardona's gym when you were training. Uh, can you recall any stories with little Zach Ryder? Uh, your time training at the gym before breaking into ECW, hashtag we over, hashtag the Taz show, hashtag Taz for Hall of Fame 2020. Well, thank you. Tampa Jones. Uh, I don't think they're going to put me in Hall of Fame in Tampa. They passed on me in Brooklyn, my hometown. Ah, fuck it. Let's put him in Tampa. Well, nah, maybe not, but whatever. 
Look at Bob Cardona, Zach's dad, uh, one of the greatest guys you ever met in your life. You guys have seen him like on pay-per-views or WWE. I think at WrestleMania he was there a couple of years ago. Always in great shape. He's still he's still a bodybuilder. He had a great gym called Ultimate Gym. He had two of them on Long Island. Uh, one in Hicksville, Long Island. One in East Meadow, Long Island. And I trained at the Hicksville one a lot, like on a regular basis. Um, probably years leading into ECW. Once I started really rolling with ECW, I had moved, so I found a different gym uh, in uh, Syosset, New York. Uh, a lot of people know Bev's. That well, Bev Francis was a very famous female bodybuilder years ago, uh, and the name of the gym we just call it Bev's. And then now I think it's Bev's is still there, but I think it's like a powerhouse gym now. It's like she sold. It's like it's fran- she had the franchise powerhouse gym there. But it was, I think it was a Golds when I trained. I can't remember. I used to just call it Bev's, and it was a great gym. A lot of WWE wrestlers would train there, and NWA guys, you know, through, when they would come to work at the uh, Nassau Coliseum. But uh, but anyway, Bob Cardona's gym was tremendous, and Bob was a great guy. Um, now, Zach, I remember Zach younger. I, I don't have any stories. I got to be honest. Like, uh, you know, I was all business in the gym. I know he'd be in the gym sometimes, you know, hanging out behind the front desk and stuff like that. He was young, obviously, but... But, yeah, I don't have any stories, but, yeah, I mean, and Zach and I, we've talked a lot in the past, and, you know, when he was coming to WWE and I was there as a commentator. So, you know, and I'd see his dad once in a while there. So I'm very proud and happy for Zach and his success. Uh, great family right there, the Cardona's, no doubt about that. Ah, uh, yes, the young lady from the U.K., Claire, with all these R's, 89. Do you think other women currently on the road will win 24-7 title after the Royal Reunion? Well, I think they definitely set the tone, right? For sure. You know, with Kelly Kelly and then Medusa, uh, well, Alondra Blaze. Alondra Blaze, I should say. You know, uh, am I missing someone? Someone else? I'm drawing a blank. Because uh, there were so many title changes. But, yeah, I definitely think so. I think that set the table for sure there. Um, I think it should be that way. I definitely think it's a good way to, you know, when all the whole run that, what's his name, had um, was running with it. Our truth. Um you know, they, they definitely could have done something where she should have been the first uh, to capture the the uh, 24-7 title, I mean, Carmella, because she was right there with him all the time, and she was watching his back, and a lot of people thought maybe that would happen, and, you know, they didn't do that. I, I would have went that way, but they didn't go that way. But good question, Claire. Thank you. Hope all is well. Evil Sir 247 which is better, Bex or Sex? Hashtag RTG, hashtag the Taz Show, hashtag water break. So for those that don't know, a Beck is a bacon, egg, and cheese. This is a breakfast sandwich on a roll. A Sec, it's S-E-C. Okay, that's a sausage, egg, and cheese. Uh, I prefer a Beck. Um, a little less sodium and pork, a little bacon on there, as opposed to a sausage patty, uh, which could be like highly toxic for your heart, even though it's delicious. I would say, though, but I've, I've eaten a lot of Becks in my day. I've had a couple of sex, but I would lean towards the Beck. Okay, it's an old Tasho word for people right there. I didn't invent it, but, you know, whatever. This guy might have the greatest uh, Instagram name ever. I think that's why we picked him. Billy the Goat Jones, okay? Who has the best ring gear right now of all time? Okay, guys, listen. Here's the thing. We've had these questions about, Greatest thing, greatest wrestler ever, greatest of all time, best two ever, best, your best opponent ever. Your be- stop. Stop. Billy Goat to Jones, please stop. I don't like when it's the all-time thing. Like, best of all time. I, I, I can't. There's too much talent uh, to say all-time of anything. 
Best of all time. No. Who has the best ring gear right now? That's a good question. Okay, but to say of all time, come on, Billy Gold Jones. It's a little much. Really. It's like I I wanna gonna sit here and 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 spitball my own brain. Thousands upon thousands of professional wrestlers over centuries. Come on, you can't do that. As far as gear goes, I am normally playing Jane Jones. I like simple, simple. Okay. I'm a guy who like black trunks, black boots, old school throwback Jones. That's my thing. I don't need fancy, fancy nothing. Uh, so for me, you know, what I wore, I know I loved what I wore, but I'll just keep myself out of it. <sighs> Um, which wrestler? Let's just say, what are you saying now? I mean, I'm gonna stick with WWE in this. Uh, who has some really? I'll tell you this, you know, which would have been a good question. Who spends like most money, in my opinion, on their gear in WWE? A lot of them do because the stuff's not cheap, and they do have access to two or three seamstresses that work for the company backstage. But you pay. Oh, that's something that no one probably doesn't know. How about that? Here's that. Not even a fucking question from you people. I'm giving you some insight. Here we go. Okay. A lot of people don't realize that. And I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Who pays for wrestlers' gear? Like their trunks and stuff like that, the guys and the girls. You do. You pay for it. The company has a seamstress there, uh, two or three of them. They'll customize it for you. It usually takes them a week. They're very fast. Uh, and they'll do whatever you want, and they work with you, and they're super talented people. Um, now, Let's say you work for WWE, but you have someone you know else that makes your gear, and they don't work for WWE. That's no problem. You don't have to get it from the WWE seamstress. You don't have to. Um, you definitely don't have to. I, I, when I first came in there, my stuff wasn't made by WWE uh, seamstress. My stuff was made by a woman in Minneapolis who I've never met. Okay, and um, and I, I told this a long time ago. I uh, Sean Waltman, X Pac. Uh, hooked me up with her number years ago because when before he was in WWE and I was in the, before all those years I knew Sean and I always liked his gear and I'm like dude who's making your stuff he's like there's this lady in Minneapolis because he lived in Minneapolis in Minnesota somewhere near Minneapolis he lived and he gave me a number and, and it was just like for a long time it was just me and him that she was only making our stuff and I he was and we were like yo dude we got to keep this a secret because she's really good and we don't people we don't want to get bombarded where our shit would get done late you know but anyway so uh, when I she made my shit throughout all of ECW everything my whole career into WWE um once I was steady with WWE in 2000, full-time, full-time, then it was too much to deal with someone outside. So I just dealt with the seamstresses at WWE, and they were great. They made my stuff, and they did an awesome job. But, yeah, so uh, anyway, um, so if I had to say who spends the most money on their stuff right now, and all these people do, I'd say the New Day. I'm not saying I like their gear the best. It's actually I don't. It's too loud. But they put a lot of work into their gear, and – a lot of different configurations. There's a lot of money that goes into it. It's not my style. It's not something I like, but they definitely, you know, they definitely um, put a lot of money into their gear. Not a, I mean, Nakamura's gear works great for him. Uh, it's kind of like an Elvis kind of. I mean, I'm sure my age, a little Elvisy, but you know, the revival. Eh, it, it, I know they're going for the throwback look. I mean. Um, with the boots and stuff, kind of like Ole Anderson, one guy's boots, the other guy's boots remind me of the late, uh, great uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams with the Flames. You know, so they're going some throwback 
wrestlers' boots. I mean, I, I, I you know, I still, it's, it's like kind of they're like a hybrid with their gear, or old school with a little bit of new school. Not me. Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think like who. I've always liked. Oh, Samoa Joe's a guy. I like. I like his gear. I, 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 I think I might have helped him design that gear when he was in TNA. Those kickboxing type trunks. I think he, when I was working there with him. I might have gave him a suggestion on it, something because he changed his gear. Because when he was working for TNA against, and he was doing all the angles with some with the Kurt Angle and stuff. That's before I got there, um, you know. And, and he he had a great success with TNA. Samoa Joe did. Um, uh, obviously, you got, most of you guys know that. But he um, he had a different look. Like his gear was different. He used to wear like the tighter like. Uh, like spandex, like I guess you call them bicycle trunks type thing, you know, like the tighter ones, almost like we see MMA guys wear now. Uh, and then I, 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 I got to ask Joe, but I'm 99% sure, you know, we were talking and, and, and I, you know, we respected each other and I might've gave him a little tip and I was like, maybe you should change it up a little bit. And then he went to where if you look at his gear, it's kind of like the same premise underneath, but it's kind of like a boxing, kickboxing, looser, Type short that he wears So I'm going to go with Samoa Joe There you go, long answer, but that's what I'm going with Okay, alright, here we go uh, What else we got, where are we La 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 la, we got this one Black Nature Do you like, did you like Michael Cole The color commentary on Smackdown this week uh, Let me tell you something I wish I could tell you everything, which I can't I didn't like Michael Cole being on commentary On Smackdown, I loved it because not nothing against Corey, I love Corey, but he wasn't there. I you know, but and and Saxton neither. And the thing is, I'm gonna be honest with you, okay? David Otunga just it does he just doesn't do it for me. And he was a filling guy. I have no I I I I have no problem with the new day, but they putting them out there on commentary doesn't work for me, like not one bit. Uh, it's too much. It's over the top. It's too much. Ha ha. It's just the business is not being taken care of. There's a lot of important business at that announced desk. And I think that's why we saw a quick change Jones. Now, I know it was supposed to be Shawn Michaels. That was announced by Shawn and others. And he was going to fill in there being there for Corey and all that jazz. And then he was on Miss TV and they did the angle with Ziggler and him and stuff like that. But I think that I felt like it was an audible. Him going out there, Michael Cole, was a very important thing to do because they needed to change. They needed to get the new day out, new day out of there, and they did. It just wasn't working. It just it just wasn't working. It, it wasn't. I, it just. I, I there are other things I know I can't say, so I'm just going to leave it like that. Uh, Chan man, double dipping Jones. Sorry, oh, I guess Chan had, Chan had a question to get through, but this is a big brother question. Do you think Cliff made a mistake by keeping his word to Christy? I would have blindsided her ass and got her out of the house. With that power, thanks for the answer, uh, uh, Mr. Second Question. You the man, Taz. Thanks, Chairman. You the man, buddy. Um, you know, I know what you're saying, bro. Strategically, the right thing to do would have been for Cliff to do what you just said and and put her up and and worked her and break his word and put her up because the Big Brother house. Every people that don't watch it, why would someone break their word? Why are you saying that's a good thing? Everybody knows when you go to Big Brother House, everybody just lies and they work each other. That's part of the game. It's it's like there's no rules. It's not like real life. You're trapped in this house. You're trying to win $500,000 and everybody's a scumbag, to be honest with you. So I guess that's why I like the show. But um, 
I kind of like that Cliff did. I knew he wasn't going to break his word. You, you could just tell the guy's a stand-up family man, and which is why he's not going to win the game. So usually the people that are super nice usually don't win the game. So um, because he did the right thing uh, morally instead of doing what you're saying, get her out because she does have that power that can make the golden power of veto the platinum power. I mean, diamond power veto. She can trump the the head of households veto, whatever. But so I I I like it's a tough answer for me here, bro. I I like that Cliff didn't use it. I guess I'm a sucker for people doing the right thing. Uh, but I see your point. You know, uh, do I think it's going to bite Cliff in the ass? Yes. To, so you asked me if I think it's a mistake. Yeah, probably is. But I like that he kept his word. But he's going to be safe for a few weeks. He's got, you know, he's going to have Jack watching his back. For, they're not going to turn on him, dude. They're not. They're not going to burn him right away. He's going to stay in the house. He knows he's not winning. Uh, he, this Cliff knows he's not winning. But he's, he's going to get a couple more weeks out of the house. He's going to be in jury and all that shit. So it works out for him. B-Boo 2. What are your thoughts on the way Cesaro manipulates body weight? Seems like a lot of technique goes into his throws. I don't really know what you're saying, manipulates body weight. I don't know what you're saying, what you mean by that. If you're meaning the way he lifts guys uh, before he might do a throw or whatever. Um, I don't look at Cesaro as a guy. See, when I hear the word throw, you know, a throw is a suplex. So when you hear like Michael Cole always say, oh, what a throw during a suplex, he's saying it properly. Because he learned that from me, so <laughs> so um, um, a lot of announcers don't know that. Uh, another term for a, a suplex in the wrestling game, in the amateur wrestling game, and in and grappling arts is a throw. It's just a simple word for a throw, a suplex. So if you go back, for example, myself and Little Guido had like a shoot fight match in ECW years ago, and Kurt Angle was the guest color commentator on it right after he won the gold medal in Atlanta, 1996. Kurt was in the ECW arena. He'd never really been uh, exposed to pro wrestling before. He's in Philadelphia. He's doing color commentary with Joey Styles on my match against Guido. And I'm doing some different suplexes to little Guido, right? And you hear Kirk go, whoa, what a throw. Wow, this guy's got, you know, he's putting me over. He didn't know me. He didn't know the names of my suplexes, and he's calling them throws. It's the proper way uh, if you don't say suplex or suplex. So, okay. Cesaro, I don't look at as a guy who does suplexes. He does a nice gut wrench throw. <laughs> that's a suplex. He does do that, and I think that's what you mean. I don't think that his technique is great, and I am a fan of Cesaro, but I don't think I, he's he. And I'm not saying he's muscling guys. This guy is so fucking powerful that it it almost is like any little hoist he gives to someone's body. They're gonna take a bump. I mean, he's he's that powerful of a guy. I've never wrestled him. I've heard a lot of about him from people and his power, guys who've been in the ring with him. Like, and he's very safe in the ring. He's a true pro. I mean, he was I laid eyes on him the first time he worked in Ring of Honor, Claudio Castanelli Jones, right? And he, I'm like, wow, this fucking guy is great. Holy shit, he's really good. So I don't look at him as a suplex guy, but I I, I you know. I don't I don't think that the way he's manipulating people's body, I think that he's very safe in the ring, which is what you want. That's a compliment to him, trust me. But I don't think his technique is off the chart amazing. Like in his gut wrench, I don't think he's doing like an amazing, you know, back arch, which some would call a bridge. I, I don't I, I don't I don't think he, and that's not a knock on him. I'm just saying that's not his thing. I just think that gut wrench, that lift that he does. Uh, is very impressive and the way he does it it's a very greco-roman type move he's doing um you know what he's doing there it's um very impressive powerful guy um 
super powerful guy, great physique. And look at how tough he is. I mean, he got his, I can't remember who it was that knocked his teeth out. You guys remember that recently. I'm drawing a blank. Sorry. And um, it was like uh, the guy was got a mouth, custom mouthpiece made. Next you know, he's back in the ring before you know it. I mean, that's tough to do. I mean, that's like really, 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 really tough to do. Um, super, super tough to do that. You know, it's, it's, and I, 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 I always respected his toughness. I could tell, but seeing him do that, I was like, holy shit, like really, really, really impressive. By the way, give a little education on the style that he's using in his gut wrench. Okay. A great Greco Roman wrestler from Russia. Okay. Uh, probably one of the best ever just Alex Karenlian, right? He, he did that same style. Of gut wrench that I, now I'm assuming I don't know for a fact that um, that uh, that Cesaro saw currently and saw how he did it. Uh, this was years ago, and and kind of took that same style and that gut wrench lift. Very very similar, which is smart by Cesaro to do that. But um, for those that are amateur wrestling or Greco or freestyle fans, you know what I'm talking about. You know the guy I'm talking about. I promise you. <laughs> He was the best So he was a big, strong, fucking Powerful killing machine In the ring um, And uh, and it reminds me every time I see uh, See him uh, Cesaro do that, that Greco lift It reminds me of uh, Alex, uh, Alex Karenlian And he's yeah, just a beast. You could you Google his name, you could find him, but no problem. Amigos, you know, it's no problem. But definitely uh, was an animal, uh, for sure. True Russian bear right there, Kremlin. But anyway, good question. Uh, what else we got here? The underscore John underscore Gordon. If WWE wanted to repackage you completely when you signed for them, uh, would you have agreed? New name, new everything. No, I would not have. I mean, they would have had to back up the Brinks truck. I mean, Vince would have had to really pay me a lot of money to do that, like a lot. You know, I I would have been thick-headed during that time. I'm just being honest. You know, now I'm older and smarter, but during that time in my prime in 1999 when I first started talking with, with them, um, no. I would, it was that I told them that right away. Uh, you know, I was, and Vince had no interest in doing that. But no, that would have been a deal breaker for me. Uh, I, that's another question I haven't gotten ever. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, good question. Seriously. <sighs> la, 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 la. Shane O underscore. Ah, another Brit, one of my UK friends, Signage Jones. Good moment, Taz. Now that Kevin Owens has the stunner and Bray Wyatt has the mandible claw. What are some other finishes of the past that should be repackaged for the modern era of wrestling? Hashtag RTG, hashtag Waterbreak Jones. None. None, Shane. None. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, watching Kevin Owens do the stunner, I'm like, what? What are we doing? Like, I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, Kevin Owens is a very talented guy. Um, he doesn't need to do a stunner. He's had a long career of success um, without that being like a main thing you know what i mean like i, I just don't and I, the mandible claw thing i have less of a problem with um because the way it came to light for bray we saw on the raw reunion show in tampa was the victim of the new mandible claw was done to the originator of it mick was the victim of it by bray so you got to assume the torch was passed. And I saw some tweet the other day from um, Bray Wyatt, and he said something about Mick, and then he just said the word thank you. So I'm assuming that 
He thanked them for what they did in the ring, and he thanked them for the hold. That's what I'm assuming. I'm not a fan. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I have less of a problem with the Mandible Claw because Mick was involved. Now, if they did something before we saw Kevin start doing all these stunners that he did it to Steve Austin or Steve Austin did something would have been passed the move on and said, hey, kid, it's your thing or whatever. You could take it or whatever, something like that. Maybe that happened. I don't know. I missed it. I didn't see if that happened. I didn't see that. <laughs> but I just felt like to me, unless I missed something, you know, Kevin Owens just started doing a stunt like out of nowhere the past several weeks, you know. So I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of um, repackaging moves because people, young people today don't know. That maybe don't know what Steve Austin is, who he is, or that a stunner, what a stunner was. So, and they like see Kevin Owens do this move and think it's the coolest shit ever. I don't. I I believe in moves that people that should be respect and pay the respect towards that person, and and they should either ask or a company should acknowledge the the originator of the move. I'm a big believer in that. Um, it for me, it doesn't happen. They they, they don't acknowledge any of my holds or moves that I've done. Um, but that's fine. I'm used to that. That's an, that's an old uh, argument, old conversation, I should say. Um, well, else you got? Mike Jr., 1984. What is your take on Bray Wyatt repackaged character? I love it. What's not to love? It's great. The, the, the Funhouse gimmick is awesome. The character, the look is perfect. He seems inspired. I think it's great. I love it. Uh, really, totally, totally, totally love it. Love it. Uh, Trenton underscore V. I was hoping to see you uh, bow and arrow some sorry fuck on the Raw reunion show. That's funny. WWE needs to buy a hat. That's funny. Bow and arrow is a submission hold I used to use. It's a freestyle move, actually. A mat-based hold, submission hold I used to use sometimes on guys in early ECW. Um, yeah, no invite Jones for Taz at the Royal Reunion. It's all good. You're not a raw guy. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, Will.D.Fire. Got any good Baltimore wrestling stories? Thanks for always putting Maryland wrestling over. Amer- rest- Maryland wrestling is great. Always so much great talent come out of that, that state of Maryland for sure. And MCW uh, does a great job. My man Dan McDevitt does a great job with MCW wrestling. If you live in that area, you're in that, that beltway there. Go to his shows. They, they do a great job. Nice, good, independent company. has been around for a lot of years. Only good Baltimore stories I know, it's not really a good story. It's just something about when I think of Baltimore pro wrestling, I think of my time in WWE and how much of a pain in the ass the athletic, athletic commission was. Fucking nightmare. What a hassle. So this made the just made your day suck. They were annoying to everyone. They suck. Uh, Irish Ted Taz, do you think WWE missed a good angle by not having Carmella? Ah, I was just saying, be the first female twenty four seven champ. Yes, I said this earlier, Irish Ted. Yes, I do. Uh, a good observation by you, sir, and we're on the same page. Yeah, they should have done that for sure. What does the kids say today? For sure. So listen, um. You got to subscribe to the show. If you're not subscribed, you hit subscribe, okay? Really fucking simple. Dropping shit here left and right for you. Love everybody in this world. You know that. Thank you for the love and the support and everything you do for my content for all these years. We're barreling towards 700, okay? I have no idea what's going to happen on that show. No guest Jones. You know me? Probably no guest. Probably nothing special. That's my gimmick. That's how I am. It's me. My content is me. I don't rely on guests or nobody else. And once in a while, I have a guest. I'm not a guest-driven show. Most people don't like me, so I just talk into this mic to you people intimately. Love everyone. I'm Taz. You're not. Thanks again. <laughs>